What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 63 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, and joining me as frequent, uh, his name is Scott Coleman. What's up, Scott? Hey, Brad. Thanks for having me back on. Uh, always a pleasure, sir. You're always welcome in this space. Uh, interesting week for the Braves. Uh, I made a note in our little document that we use here uh, just about how hot and cold the Braves have been uh, all season long. But they, uh, you know, they were 1-1 one one at the beginning, then they lost 5 in a row, they won 5 in a row, they lost 6 in a row. Then they won four in a row, and of course, as we record this, they may have just lost on Sunday to break up their uh, monster streak. So hopefully, uh, that does not start a new streak on Sunday. But uh, I guess the question is: Is that does it matter to you? I think it's just pretty much just fluke. But I, I mean, there were some people talking, like trying to uh, theorize as to why the uh, as, huh. as to why the Braves were so inconsistent. It's like, well, it's not really a huge sample size. But uh, I guess tell people that uh, they can relax about that. Yeah, I think it's just baseball being baseball, just yes. being kind of weird. Um, and, and me personally, just looking at the schedule, of course, it feels like they've been on the road the entire first month of the season. So um, I think they're next. They have four games against the Mets this week and then three more against the Cardinals on over the weekend. So it'll be nice to get back to SunTrust and, and get back to the new park. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Southwest has definitely been kinder. Uh, part of that was just playing the Padres, um, which was yeah. always nice. But uh, aside from that, uh, I'm just, let's just hope the Braves don't suddenly lose six in a row here to keep up their uh, their uh, their streak happy nature of the early part of this thing. But uh, I guess the big thing that happened on Sunday as we record this was the, uh, I guess, what turned into a three-run error by Dansby Swanson, which kind of prompted a bunch of reaction because Fulte was really good on Sunday. The Braves were uh, not in control necessarily, but you know, leading the game. And then Dansby made an error, and the next pitch, I believe, was a hit over the fence as the Braves lost on Sunday. So that's sort of a good bridge to say, uh, are you worried about Dansby at all? He, he did hit a home run on Saturday, which was nice to see, but the numbers are pretty ugly uh, in the overall. And they, as a lot of people start of whispering slash screaming that he might be uh, sent down, which I think is kind of crazy, but I'm wondering what you thought about that. Yeah, definitely not time to, to send Dans- Dansby down. Of course, it's again, it's not even been a month. I think next weekend will mark kind of the one-month mark of, of the season. So, no, there, there's really no reason to send him down. Um, the air was costly, and he has had a couple of routine balls kind of get to him over the last 10 days or so. But it was an unfortunate air. Um, as you mentioned, I think Dansby made the air on what would have got him out of the inning, and the next pitch was a, a fastball down the middle that got hit about 425 feet. Um, you know, it ended up costing the Braves a game. Now, of course, if Dansby makes a routine play, who's to say if, if the Braves go on to win or not? But it was unfortunate. And I think uh, Fulte, who is still, um, again, I think he's improved this year with his, his demeanor and his command on the mound. But um, he, you can still kind of see little things get to him. And, and you have to wonder if, if that error that should have got him out of the inning was, you know, was part of the lapse, the lapse in concentration that, you know, then served up a fastball right down the middle of the plate. Yeah, I mean, in general, I think Fulte's been good. That was uh, that whole sequence was obviously brutal that happened on Sunday afternoon. But I think sort of magnified both things because you know Fulte gets gets quote unquote credited for the uh, for the home run doesn't doesn't murder his ERA because it was the error, of course. But uh, it's sort of a weird situation. Uh, just to look at Dansby's numbers real quick: uh, a 156 batting average, 200 sl- uh, 200 on base, 233 slugging. That's obviously awful. But the bigger thing for me actually is uh, only a five percent walk rate, 25 percent strikeout rate. I feel like we talk about Dansby every week, but um, there are some things that are definitely concerning. I just don't think it's uh, panic time because of the small sample nature of it. But uh, it's something to keep an eye on because uh, they do have Ozzy Albies, which is uh, always going to kind of, um, you know, at least for Braves fans, I think. of our, I've seen a lot of the uh, uh, Albies being better than Swanson stuff in the last couple of weeks, which... Good boy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's I, was, I think it's... 
I think you and I are thinking the same that it's it's pretty crazy to talk about that right now. I mean, with all due respect to Albies, we always saw Dansby do it for you know 200 plate appearances, wherever it was last year. Um, Albies is a lot younger as well, so um, not not even to crap on Albies or anything, but I think uh, it's too early to start panicking about Dansby. There are some ugly signs though, and I, I think uh, we wrote about that. I wrote about it actually on Monday as to kind of not worry, and then later on in the week we had a post on Talking Chop that was talking about sort of the advanced numbers that you might actually have a little bit of worry. So I would encourage people to read those things, but. I don't know, man. It's too early for me to freak out. It's, it'd be nice if he was hitting better. I'll say that. Yeah, and I think he has some good luck coming his way, and, and this has also been profiled. But, I mean, his BABIP is, is 188. I think somebody said of all the qualified hitters in baseball, it's like he's been the unluckiest hitter so far this year. Um, and, you know, so it says something if, if he's just kind of rolling over on stuff to the second baseman and shortstop ball game, but he has hit, I'm not off the top of my head, I can think of five or six balls that he's just rocketed into an alley. Um, or just right in an outfielder and infielder that, that should have gone for hits. Um, you know, I, in my head, I always said give him at least a month, maybe a month and a half. And if, if we're still having this conversation in, in you know, middle of May, end of May, uh, I, I think you start to worry a little bit. But you also have to remind yourself, uh, Dansby turned 23 uh, over the offseason. Um, last year, he, he did not get a ton of experience in the minor leagues, being such a high-level college guy. Um, and again, it's, he, he's a young player and he, he's due to have some positive luck go his way. Um, the notion that he needs to be sent down after three, uh, bad and unlucky weeks is just kind of silly in my opinion. Yeah, uh, we are on the same page with that, but uh, we're talking about, and uh, there it is. On to a, to a more positive note, Matt Kemp is uh, not really human, honestly, at this point in time, mm-hmm. uh, uh, along with Freddie Freeman, of course, who's even been better than Kemp. But a three-home three run game for Kemp was sort of the highlight of the week um, on Saturday to sort of help lead the Braves to a, a big-time victory. But um, his numbers are crazy. This year, have, he currently has a, 70, a 732 slugging percentage, which is uh, – Obviously incredible, and a 178 WRC plus. And actually, you pointed this out to me, but Mark Bowman had his uh, numbers for since he actually went acquired by the Braves, and they're they're also tremendous over about a 300 play appearances sample. So, um, what's your takeaway on Matt Kemp? Is he now this is he this guy now that can we rely on Matt Kemp to be you know sort of an all star level hitter again, even with all the defensive stuff that you might talk about? But uh, is he this is he this guy at the plate? You think? I think that we're getting at least to the point where we can count on Matt Kemp to be a productive player for the Braves day in and day out. And at the time of the trade, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I saw Matt Kemp coming on to hit, you know, to the tune of nearly a 900 OPS in Atlanta. Um, you mentioned the over about 300 plate appearances now with the Braves. Kemp's hitting about 285, about a 340 on base percentage and a, and a 560, 570 slugging percentage. Um, I don't think anyone saw him hitting quite that well. Uh, and he's really just been maybe the biggest pleasant surprise of the last calendar year. So him and, and, and of course, with Freddie Freeman becoming, um, I would argue, probably the second best hitter in baseball during that span. So um, obviously Matt Kemp is, I, I can't imagine he's going to go on to hit like this the whole year. Uh, for a matter of fact, he will not hit like the way he's hit uh, all year long. But even if he can just give the Braves, you know, 120 WRC plus out of the four spot, hopefully Ender and Ciarte and, and who's ever hitting second or getting on base in front of him because that's been a real issue with, with Freddie and Kemp so far. They're they're hitting for power, but there's nobody on base in front of them. Um, but if Kemp can continue to hit, even at the level that he's hit over his first uh, 70 or 80 games with the Braves, I think the, the front office would be thrilled with the deal. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, uh, I think this is probably still on the high side of what you think he might do, even over that large sample, you know, 300 play appearances, not nothing. It's about a half season or so, but, and you know, 900 OPS is kind of, I think probably a little bit higher for what he's going to do, but he might just be this. I mean, there's, he obviously was this guy at the plate um, earlier in his career for an extended period of time. And the defense, you can talk about that all you want, but if he does this at the plate, he's still valuable, even with the worst defense in the league. And he, you know, there's been some signs that he's a little bit better now. I think he's still obviously pretty bad defensively, but uh, if he's just this guy at the plate, then that uh, that helps quite a bit. So um, I'm not I'm not ready to say all the way that he's there, but if you get the 300 plate appearances of this kind of numbers, man, you have to take that for sort of what it's worth and be encouraged by it, especially because uh, you know for for better or worse, I think it's probably more uh, more correlation than causation. But the way that Freddie's hit since Camp arrived, people always talk about that as sort of lineup protection, all those things. I think that's kind of overrated, but it certainly hasn't hurt Freddie to have a guy behind him that's going to be taking a little bit of pressure off as well. So uh, all, all good things for Matt Camp aside from his defense and even. And then uh, it's uh, when you hit like this, it almost doesn't matter what you do in the field. Absolutely. And I think, again, and, and I always say this never mind, but, you know, if the Braves were, were contending for a World Series right now, maybe you worry a little bit more about the defense that he's going to give you in the later innings. But right now, this is a team that's on the upswing of a rebuild. But, uh, you know, if they can if they can get a little offense out of their left fielder, especially when you consider who the left field options were before the trade, um, you know, if Kemp misplays a ball or two in left field while hitting the way he's hit, uh, I'm not going to freak out too much, and I would imagine most people won't won't over overreact too much. Now, if it ever gets to a point where Kemp's missing the balls that just hit right at him, that's obviously a concern. But um, you know, playing next to Ender in center field again, as long as he's making just kind of the routine plays and not just kind of making a fool of himself out there, um, I, I think the Braves are going to be pretty happy. Yeah, uh, just do do what you just catch just catch the ball basically. I mean, we don't. Yeah. He's not going to be good defensively, but in left field that matters about you know. Aside from I guess first base, left field is the position that matters the least defensively. So that's kind of why he's there, to be honest. Uh, yeah. So we'll see how that long that lasts, but uh, that, as long as he hits, man, I'm I'm cool with it. Um, there was one roster move to keep an eye on this week, and that's the uh, the DFA of Chase Darno. This was earlier in the week, so it feels like it's old news, but it happened after we recorded uh, the last podcast. So uh, Lane Adams has been called up. Um, what'd you make of this? You know, Lane Adams is sort of a interesting guy in, in his own self, but uh, were you okay with Darno being the guy? I guess there was some, there was some consternation on Twitter about Darno going away before Bonifacio, especially. But I was okay with this. But I'm wondering if you would have rather seen Bonifacio or uh, Darno go through this spot. Yeah, I, I don't know why the Braves just really seem to like Bonifacio so much. Um, he's barely played this year, and he's been like one of the least valuable players in all of baseball, which is kind of amazing. Um, you know, Darno was is kind of a career for a player, if you will, somebody who's going to bounce back and forth. Um, Bonifacio probably has no business being, you know, a big league player anymore. Um, he doesn't really do a whole lot other than run the base paths kind of well. So, um, but again, you're talking about the last guy off the bench. It's not, uh, you know, it's not a, a crucial spot on the roster by any means. Um, Lane Adams had some pretty solid numbers in the minor leagues. Um, he's been in the minor leagues for years and years and years, and and if he can at least give the Braves a little something, a, a decent pinching app, pinch hitting option, I think they'd be, um, you know, it'd be an upgrade over Darno, who other than just his ability to stand in like four or five different positions on the field, um, that was kind of his only real strength on uh, for the team. Yeah, I was okay with this. I mean, Lane Adams, he's, he's twenty seven. Uh, the numbers aren't terribly encouraging in the minors. Uh, he did spend all of uh, last year between the uh, the Cubs and Yankees in AAA. Uh, I guess there was a brief stint in AA before that um, with the Cubs. But interesting uh, guy to, to, in some, to some extent. I mean, 
I don't know. He's too he's too old to be super excited about considering the numbers, but uh, I think he's an upgrade at the plate probably over Darno. And uh, the posi- the positional versatility is one thing that you mentioned there. But you still do have Bonifacio, which is nothing to be excited about. But uh, he's a guy you can play everywhere. Adams is just a pure outfielder, but um, the bat's probably better than what you're going to get out of Darno. And honestly, in the end. I think the Braves still have another move or two on the bench here. You know, Ryan Howard's coming at some point, we all can all assume. And whether it's Adams that gets the boot at that point or whether they actually go away from Bonifacio kind of remains to be seen because that right now, as we'll talk about in a second, um, Anthony Recker is now uh, back in the minors after uh, Jason Mott has been up and he got rocked in his first appearance. But I don't know. In general, the bench is sort of a, sort of a disaster. We, we still but we still have to monitor this kind of stuff because it's Jace Peterson, Kurt Suzuki, and uh, a couple of uh, spots that are not, uh, not, not terribly fun. Yeah, and I think that really, and we've said this really for the last month and a half, there's really three or four different spots on the roster that are just going to kind of be a, a, a revolving door all season long, just given the talent level and, and just kind of the depth in the farm system right now for, for players who are going to be able to play as bench pieces. Um, and, and with the Braves trying to just get anything out of them, um, it's going to be a struggle this year, just considering who's who is on the bench and who that final uh, guy or two is in the bullpen. But um, really, not that big of a deal. It's it's probably cost him a game or two. But in the grand scheme of things, um, you're arguing about your 25th, fourth, and 25th man on the team, and and they're bigger fish to fry when it comes to a 162 game season. Yeah, it's something that we can talk about here because this is obviously a, a space for diehards most of the way. But uh, yeah, it's not it's not great. I mean, I mentioned Mock got killed in his first his first appearance, but there is a little bit of help on the way. It looks like from Mauricio Cabrera, who's been rehabbing with the Fire Frogs. Uh, He's coming up soon. It looks like, uh, I believe Dave, Dave O'Brien and AJC reported uh, on Saturday that he thinks it's probably going to be about a week if all, if all goes well, and that was uh, on Saturday. So, you know, in the next four, five, six days here, you might be able to see Cabrera back up, and while the, he probably isn't, you know, he probably isn't a late-inning guy right away necessarily, he's got, you know, if not the best arm, one of the best arms in your bullpen immediately. So if he's healthy, that provides a little bit of optimism. So at least a little bit of a sunshine down the road, perhaps, with, with Cabrera yeah. arriving. Should hopefully take some of the, the the pressure off of Jose Ramirez and Maurice and uh, Vizcaino right now because Ramirez and Vizzy are kind of the only late inning relief guys other than than Kroll as kind of the lefty specialist. So it never hurts to have a guy who can throw a hundred in your in your bullpen. Um, Cabrera will give the Braves two or three of those guys along with Ramirez and 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 Vizzy. So um, hopefully he's able to repeat what he did last year and, and keep his walks to a minimum because he. He, uh, he certainly has the arm to, to make an impact in the later innings. Yeah, and I probably should have included this on our little outline thing, but Vizcaino's numbers are really ugly right now, but they also look like he might be getting pretty unlucky. Um, I looked this up a couple days ago, and I think it's probably holding still now. Is he was still striking out, you know, more than more than a batter per uh, inning with a good walk rate, and just I think he had like a thirty percent home run fly ball rate at this early stage, like an eighty percent strand rate. Like it's pretty, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that works um, for Vizcaino, but um, if he continues to struggle, you might see Cabrera as sort of the default, the de facto eighth inning guy here here pretty soon here because Vizcaino is the guy we all kind of talk about as the best guy, but if he is. Uh, if he's not effective um, pretty soon here with the way that Snickers been managing, it might, he might uh, wear out his welcome in a hurry. We might, we might start seeing Cabrera more and more if he is good early on. Yeah, and overall, I would think that the bullpen should improve over the season as, as they get a little more help. It's been pretty rough so far. But um, again, if, if Cabrera can get going and Vizcaino can have some some fortunate luck, um, you know, Josh Colmenter pitched pretty uh, decently well today in, in relief of, 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 of Fulte. So. Again, it's not going to be the league's best unit, but if, if they can at least be average for him, uh, you know, not blow games late, you know, seemingly every night, I think that, that Snicker will be okay with, with kind of the production out of the last couple guys. 
Yeah, I don't think it's going to be as bad as it's been, which is always kind of uh, sort of what you want to see because it's not been good necessarily this season. Aside, you know, even Johnson's had a couple of hiccups, although he's been pretty decent uh, in the overall sense. But uh, we'll get away from the bullpen. Uh, talking about a couple of guys here uh, who were in the lineup. Uh, Brandon Phillips uh, was injured, missed a few games, was back over the weekend though. Uh, groin strain there. He's been, you know, he's two for five at the plate since returning. Uh, nothing to worry about here, even though you know Phillips is older. I guess that might make me a little bit more wary. But it looks like he's yeah. healthy and ready to go. He seems fine. I mean, he's a guy who's been incredibly durable. It's probably his greatest attribute over his whole career is just how durable he's been. Um, he joked that that he was going to have to wrap his hand up like a Chipotle burrito <laughs> to get him off the field. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, you hope with a guy, he's a little bit older. He's 37, 38. You hope that it's not going to be a lingering issue for a while. But uh, the Braves gave him at least the day off today from a starting perspective. Um, you know, we'll see if he's in the lineup tomorrow night. But hopefully it's one of those day-to-day things instead of week-to-week. For sure, uh, and you know Phillips is a guy I didn't, uh, I wasn't terribly excited about coming in, but he's been uh, better than I ever thought he'd be early on. I'm, you know, it's not quite sustainable at the level he's played so far, but I think he uh, at least could be pretty good here and has been so far for sure. So good to have him back in the lineup. He's been swinging a hot bat this year. Other guy I want to talk about, uh, Tyler Flowers has kind of been out of his mind so far this season. Uh, sort of in every way, his uh, his his numbers at the plate have been very very good at 481 on base percentage. A WRC plus over 150, uh, and even more encouraging to me, a uh, career high walk rate, a career low strikeout rate so far. Uh, how sustainable that is kind of remains to be seen, but very good peripherals and stuff from Flowers, even if not a ton of power early on. And he's also you know, sort of famously been throwing out runners at sort of an acceptable clip, which is a huge news for Flowers after he was probably the worst guy in the, major, in the majors last year in terms of throwing out runners. So uh, can we expect Tyler Flowers to be legitimately good moving forward, or is this sort of a, a, an aberration to some extent? You know, he, he certainly won't be this good moving forward. As you mentioned, his BABIP is above 500, which is going to come down in a hurry. Um, but if, if you look at his numbers since he's joined the Braves, his WRC Plus is about 115, 120. Um, this was a guy who was, um, you know, basically a, a career backup catcher before before coming over last uh, last year. So Flowers is hit better than I expected uh, of him, and and. Again, it's not going to continue, but if he can give the Braves a little something out of the seventh or eighth spot in the order, um, you know, as you mentioned, Phillips has been playing well. Nick Markakis is getting on base to good clip. We touched on Freddie and, and Kemp. Um, you know, if, if he has opportunities to drive in runners, it's only going to lengthen the lineup that much more and, and help things. So um, with Flowers, too, it's always a matter of got to keep him healthy. Uh, he's already missed a little time this year, and of course, he missed about two months last year. But as long as he's healthy, he, he seems to hit the ball hard every time he hits it. Um, and if he can keep up that, uh, you know, his line drive rates and hard hit ball rates, uh, he should continue to hit. Um, and again, if, even if you just get a little bit out of him in the seventh or eighth spot, it's, it's only going to help things. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Flowers is, uh, I think, probably a lower end starting catcher, but an acceptable one if he plays like he has the last, you know, year and a half. Um, he's he's just fine in that role. He's not nothing exciting, but nothing that will kill you either. Especially if he starts throwing out writers, which he has been. That was his one huge weakness a year ago. Um, you know, and I think we all kind of agreed that he was, he was hitting over his head last year. He's been even better this year. It's going to come down, but if he keeps if he keeps playing good defense, which he has always been a good receiver, if he's throwing out guys at an acceptable rate, uh, he's definitely a uh, maybe even a league average starter, which is kind of all you can ask for when you're paying a guy as little as they're as they're, as they're paying Tyler Flowers. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And hey. You know, Flowers is not a long-term guy. If he can just no. kind of fill in for a year or two um, until the Braves can hopefully either swing a deal or, or draft a college catcher who's ready to move quick. Um, you know, it's it, it's he's purely a fill-in guy. And in the meantime, if he can give the Braves a little production, all the better.
we're going on we're going on year three of pure filling guys from Przinsky uh, to Przinsky and Flowers last year to Flowers and Suzuki this year. But hey, if it works, it works. And for the most part, you know, last year Przinsky was awful early on, but then when Flowers came in, it was kind of picking right up. And obviously, two years ago, Przinsky was awesome, sort of low key. So they've been they've been able to piece together reasonable production at catcher, and that's continuing now, which is encouraging uh, given again the very little investment that they've done there. Um, we can move into some mailback stuff here. The first one is uh, we kind of already touched on it, but I wanted to hit on uh, one specific thing. Uh, Matt Kreitzberg, if I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm pronouncing that wrong, I'm sure, but he asked, uh, with Cabrera coming back next week and Ryan Howard perhaps coming up soon, what do you guys see for the next roster moves? I wanted to ask um, how how soon you think Howard will be up because I think we talked about it last last week's show without you, so I wanted to see where you are on Ryan Howard. Um, I know I mentioned him in passing, but if, if he's not the next guy up, what's the next move? I would imagine it's Howard and, and Emilio Bonifacio would be the guy to go. Uh, of course, you never know who's going to get hurt. I know uh, the Braves here in, in a couple weeks have a handful of interleague games where they'll need a DH, and, and Howard is probably their best option, or at least that's what they'll go with. I would prefer, personally, just Jace Peterson because I think he's a better hitter right now than Ryan Howard is. But, um, again, not, not too big of a deal. I would guess Howard is, is the next bat. Um, you know, when Cabrera comes back, I'm not sure what they'll do. They might get rid of Mott. Uh, Matt Whistler has been filling in kind of as an, as a, uh, an arm saver, if you will. They might send uh, Whistler down to the minors if, if they don't need him to fill in for somebody in the big leagues. Um, I would guess that Whistler would be the one to go down when, when Cabrera comes back. But again, uh, you never know. And, and this year, uh, the bullpen has been kind of a revolving door to begin with. And uh, we'll have to kind of wait and see if, if the Braves feel that Cabrera is ready to go uh, within the next week or so. Uh, who's going to get sit down? Yeah, I mean it's always tough to predict, especially because of injury stuff. But I think if all things are equal, it's going to be Howard. We'll see how quickly he arrives. Uh, you know, like Gwinnett, there's been some mixed results and stuff. But um, I don't know. Yeah. Worth keeping an eye on because uh, you know, if if a guy like Ryan Howard is not hitting the ball like crazy in AAA, you don't worry too yeah. much. I mean, I mean, well, to me, I don't worry too much just because he's a guy who's been around for so yeah, long. That's true. You know, I I can't imagine Howard busting his butt down there every single night. Um, again, you would prefer to see him hitting well, um, but I think just kind of considering his profile and everything, I don't think the Braves are going to overreact too much if if he's hitting, you know, a buck fifty in in ten or fifteen games in Gwinnett. And that's that's, that's where he is, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, uh, I right. And four, I, don't I believe think he's four of twenty four uh, in Gwinnett yeah. so far. Yeah, and, and he was a guy who was kind of unemployed up until two weeks ago. So you know, if he's if he's not hitting a home run every night, and and again at this point, he's purely like a pinch hitting option against a late inning right-handed reliever. And at best, he's probably an average pinch hitter. Um, he's somebody who is more or less retired and just kind of decided he'd stick around another year uh, because he hasn't been good in a couple of years. But um, considering what the, what the bolt or the, uh, the bench looks like right now, um, I, I think it's probably worth at least bringing him up for a couple of weeks to see what he can do. Yep, uh, and, and shouts to the Phillies for paying Ryan Howard the number that, that, they, that they paid him for so long where he doesn't have to worry about anything else uh, forever. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, anyway, that was a fantastic move from the from the NL East rival full of Phillies, as we can <laughs> talk about. Um, with that said, one other thing on, on AAA that I didn't brief you about, so I'm springing this on you. I'm sorry about that. Um, Sean Newcomb was awesome today yeah. in AAA. Yeah. Uh, I believe it was, uh, looking at it now, 11 strikeouts, two walks, uh, seven innings of one hit ball, um, scoreless. Newcomb's ERA down to 308 now on AAA. I'm not sure what you can take this because he's he's been so inconsistent. When he's when he's good, he's really good. When he's bad, he's really bad. But uh, never a bad thing to see. Sort of a dominant outing like that. And he was by all accounts. I did not obviously not, did not see this game, but um, the numbers don't lie. And there was a lot of reporting around it that talked about just how good he was. So encouraging there from Sean Newcomb. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I, I was tweeting about this earlier and how the, the Andrelton Simmons deal is looking like it might end up being uh, the worst of all the ones that Coppola has made. I know the Hector Oliveira trade was its own beast, but <laughs> yes. of the other ones, the ones that were purely a rebuild trade, you know, kind of shipping out the the uh, the old, you know, the 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 proven veteran guys from the Frank Wren era, I consider all those to be in the same kind of grouping. Um, you know, Newcomb has always had, if, if you look back on him, he's one of those guys who will have days like today where it's like, holy smokes, this guy, if he could do this consistently, uh, you know, he's a legitimate number two starter in the big leagues. And then he'll have one of these days, and then his next start out, he'll go three innings, walk seven batters, give up six runs, and, and struggle to throw, you know, more than a strike or two to every batter. Uh, so again, it's all about consistency with him. Uh, he's going to be 24 here, so not that that's old for a prospect, but at some point you would like for him, you know, either he's going to do it or he's not. And and yeah. I think with with Newcomb, he's had a full year in Double A. He's now experiencing his first go around in Triple A. Uh, I don't want to say you're running out of time with him, but it, it's kind of the piss or get off the pot time, if, <laughs> if you will. Um, and because if he keeps walking people the way he has really throughout his whole minor league career, uh, he's not going to last in, in the big leagues. So obviously an encouraging sign today. If he can keep that up moving forward, the Braves would be thrilled. Um, hopefully he's able to. Um, but again, it's just going to come down to whether or not he can avoid walking people and, and consistently throwing strikes. Yeah, he'll be 24 uh, in June. Uh, his walk rate before this game uh, was over six per nine in AAA. Yeah. Uh, granted, it's a small sample, but last year in the full season of 140 innings, it was uh, over four and a half per nine, which is not going to get it done. You know, at the minor league level, uh, that's really bad. Um, and you know, that's his biggest problem. We all know it. But uh, you know, more, more times like this might might take some heat off of him. But for now, uh, still an enigma to some degree. And uh, Simmons, for all of his faults offensively, is still, um, given how good his, his glove is, is still like a three-win player every year. And uh, that's a really valuable guy that the Braves didn't get a whole lot for if Newcomb does not pan out. But we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, one, one uh, next, I guess we can just jump to the next question. Uh, Patrick Mollett asks, uh, can you talk about how underrated, at least outside the Atlanta organization, Mike fulton really seems to be, uh, now has a 2.80 ERA, which I believe is correct. Yeah, 2.80 after today's matchup. Um, and, and he actually, he, has, he says that he looks as good as Julio has been. I disagree with that. But uh, I guess, what, what do you, where, where are you with Fulte after a, ga- a game today on Sunday that, you know, he, no walks, which is encouraging, but I did give up a yeah. home run to, you know, obviously the home run that we talked about earlier. But where are you at with Fulte? You know, if you take away, if, if you just look at his start strictly, his, his numbers have been even better. Um, he did a relief appearance, I think, in Miami and gave up like a three-run homer in and, his uh, inning work. <laughs> Before, I'm going to let you go on, but our, our good friend uh, Zach Thor of Fox Sports South has railed on this, for on every, I think on every podcast over at the Chopcast for a while, about how, how poorly the Braves handled Fulte with having, yeah. him, uh, having him pitch in the snow and then bringing him out of the bullpen. So if you take those things away, um, the numbers yeah. are really good. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at what he did today against the Brewers, one of the best offenses in the National League, at least power-wise, and then he pitched really, really well against the Nationals, um, without a doubt the best lineup in baseball right now. He's been good. I mean, if you, if you look at his ERA and his FIP, his ERA's been about 2.5 or so as a starter. His FIP is around 3.5. Um, you mentioned the no walks, which is encouraging. Really, over his last 30 starts or so, he's cut down on his walks tremendously. Um, and, and as long as he continues to, to pound strikes, his curve looked good today, his fastball, um, he'll still leave it over the middle of the plate a little too much, and he paid the price um, against Santana with his two homers. But uh, Fulte was a guy coming into the year I thought was going to have a really nice season uh, for the Braves, and, and if he's able to kind of keep his, his uh, current level of production up through the whole year, 
uh, you know, keep his ERA and FIP in the 3.5 range. I, I think the Braves would be thrilled with that. Um, and again, he, I've, I've said this before. He always, to me, strikes as being someone a little bit older. You know, like he's 27, 28. He's still just 25. He has plenty of room to grow. Um, and I think that now we're coming up on about the two-year anniversary of his of his debut the first time around. And, and I think if you would watch a tape of him throwing two years ago uh, compared to where he's at now, um, on, a, on various levels, especially just kind of the maturity and demeanor on the mound, uh, it's night and day. And I think that's a testament to how hard he's worked over the last couple of seasons. Yep, and then, you know, still young, as you said. Like, it's uh, Fulte's a guy I'm, I'm high on for sure. And there's still times where he, when he looks brutal, but when he's good. Like, even today, like, you know, one earned run, he looked – he gave, gave, allowed two home runs, but one of them was the one that should, probably shouldn't have happened if you don't talk about Danny's uh, error and all, all those things. And the numbers are quite good. Even, you know, the FIP is almost four, which is, you know, it's very small sample, so I'm not sure how, how much you want to take from the one-run gap between his ERA and his FIP. But um, the numbers, aside from that, look pretty good. Bad reps kind of low, which is uh, – Probably illustrate some of that, but uh, I think you know Fulte is very, very encouraging, and we'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll see how good he can be the rest of the season. But I, I'm a big fan. Uh, I know the Braves like him still quite a bit, and we'll see how that goes. It was always kind of silly that the Braves were acting like he was not guaranteed a rotation spot this year. But uh, if, if we if we yeah. go if we go away from that, uh, it's been a pretty good uh, couple of months here for Fulte. Yep, I agree. I'm excited to see. I of all the starters, I look forward to his starts the most. Me too. Probably just because. <laughs> We've seen Julio for years, and then Garcia, Colon, and Dickey all are just kind of the one-year fill-ins, you know. Um, like when Fulton Evich is throwing, I make it a point to like really focus on him. You know, if Ari Dickey is throwing, and I have some things going on in the background, it's <laughs> I'm not hanging on most, you know, every single pitch. But with Fulton, he's you know he's entertaining to watch, and he's somebody you want to see do well. And and I make it a point to make sure to really kind of uh, focus in on him whenever uh, whenever he's on the mound. Yeah, for sure. I'm with you all the way. Uh, Julio's ERA is good, by the way, so far. 3.38 in five starts, but doesn't have a, sort of a troubling walk rate, I noticed the other day. Uh, he's walking 4.6 guys per nine. It's only 29 innings, so I don't really care yet, but something to yeah. honor because Julio cannot afford to walk guys with his stuff. He just can't. Um, yeah. The reason why he was so good last year was he was walking less than two guys per nine, and he can't walk guys. You know, I think some of it, too, and, and, and it's nice that tomorrow is May. Um, yes. it, it's going to start warming up. I think that any, anybody who's ever played baseball in cold weather knows how just nasty it is. It's hard to get loose. It, you don't want to swing a bat very hard because if you take one on the inner half of the bat, your hands are going to hurt for like 15 minutes. Um, so I am glad it was nice that they were in a dome this weekend. It should be uh, pretty nice weather over the next week in Atlanta. And, and moving forward, they really shouldn't be any more uh, cold weather climates, which I'm sure every single player on the roster will be happy about. Absolutely. Baseball is uh, less fun in the cold, <laughs> for sure. Um, with that said, one more thing before we I could get sort of a getaway question here. Uh, Jay Thornbuckle on Twitter asks, I know it sounds as if he's healthy, but if R.I. Dickey can't go next week, by the way, he's probably going to be able to pitch, but he left his last start early, so that's, that sort of explains the question. But um, who, would, who would get the call in his place? So I, I, I'm going to ask you this in a different way, but uh, if, if somebody, we'll say anybody in the rotation, was suddenly unable to go for two weeks, three weeks, do you think, uh, you know, would it be Matt Whistler, Aaron Blair, Josh Coleman, or who do you think would get that first um, shot at a full-time roster uh, spot in the rotation if, uh, if the Braves have to do that? Because at some point, it's going to happen. Yeah, I would imagine it's Matt Whistler for a couple reasons. I mean, one, he, he has more experience at the big league level and is, I mean, he's been, <laughs> he's been far from good, but he can at least throw you a couple innings without just totally embarrassing himself. Um, the fact that he's also on the big league roster now only helps his case. 
Um, and if you look at Aaron Blair's numbers in Gwinnett, they're really bad. Like his ERA is, I think, in the upper sevens. Um, so just like last season in the big leagues. Um, so I would imagine it's Whistler. I guess if there was ever an emergency situation, Cole Mentor could go out there and throw three or four innings decently well if they had to do a piece together, uh, you know, a bullpen game. But I think Whistler's the guy. Um, and, and, you know, he, he's not the worst person to have as a fill-in fifth starter, um, considering he's still decently young and has shown that he can get outs in the big league level. Um, and we'll have to wait and see exactly what um, how Dickey does. But, again, you mentioned he seemed fine after, uh, after the game whenever he left early, and, and I would imagine he'll start this week. Yeah, it'd be a surprise to me based on what I've seen. I, I made sure to look around, but you know, you don't you don't know 100. percent But it'd be a surprise to me if he was not ready to go here because uh, Dickey is one of those guys you don't really necessarily have to be 100 percent right to go with the way that he pitches. Um, that's sort of a that's one of the positive things about having the knuckleballer is that he's going to be able to eat innings barring some sort of disaster. And that, they may not be great innings, but he's going to eat innings, which is good. Uh, just so people know, Matt Whistler three starts in, in AAA this season, a 3.50 ERA, which is fine. Uh, still not striking anybody out as you might expect. I'm not walking anybody either sort of a typical Matt Whistler line in three starts so we'll keep an eye yeah. on him but he, he'd be the safest option that's for sure I think you kind of know what he is and it's not great but he won't just murder you either yeah and and if it's a situation where I mean obviously if one of the starters goes down for the season then it's a little more of a scramble but yes. if it was on a fill-in basis I think Whistler would be fine I mean maybe he gives up five or six runs over five innings but you at least know that he's built up his arm strength and he's done it for you know he's always been kind of a starter up until the last week where the Braves shifted him to a bullpen role to help eat some innings um, but again he's somebody who can handle it and won't just totally embarrass himself out there and and again we, we've said this for all the pitching prospects but yeah, it's funny you mentioned uh, Matt Whistler was born in September of 1992, so he will turn 25 this year. That is by no means an old baseball player, no. um, and, and there's always a chance to improve. So if, if he's able to uh, fill in, should someone go down, I would imagine he would get the first crack. Yeah, it's it's a little it's a little bit different with Whistler just because he was never the sort of arm talent guy that a lot of these guys are. But yeah, that's a good point about how young he is because I think uh, we're probably all guilty of it. But it's just I think we saw him so early and he was pretty much the same guy for so long that it's, we just yeah. assume that's probably who he is, and that probably is who he is. But it could happen. The light the light bulb could come on for Whistler at some point. I don't see that happening, but at least it's possible. Um, before we get out of here, I uh, wanted to ask you uh, this question that was come to us from Ty Green. We can kind of expand on it if you want to. He, uh, he asked us what, 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 we, what we would like to see the Braves do with the number five pick in the draft this year. Uh, the draft is not until June 12th, but uh, that's kind of, you know, it's almost here. It's about six weeks away. So it's time to start at least thinking about that. Um, I know what my first reaction is to that question, but I'm going to open the floor to you, my friend, as to what you think the Braves uh, can, should, will do uh, with, with, that, with that number five pick and beyond. Uh I would imagine. I mean, if I if I'm a betting man, the Braves take the best pitcher who's on the board. I think they have. Is it the sixth pick this year? Uh, uh, five, I believe. Five it might be six. Five. I would imagine that whoever. I'm sure the Braves are going to rank every pitcher that they've scouted, and I'm going to guess they take the best pitcher that's there. Um, I know people would like a hitter. I mean, if there's a hitter there, I guess the Braves could do it. Um, it's so hard to say. I mean, this time last year, nobody had Ian Anderson going in the top. Heck, probably the first round, let alone you know the top with the third pick. Um, so just kind of knowing where the Braves stand and where the organization's philosophy is, I would guess a pitcher. Uh, there's a couple of intriguing prep high school hitters who who will probably get a look. Um, you know, Austin Beck is a name who who gets rumored a lot, uh, and the top five is a bat. Um, there's a couple college hitters who are naturally always going to be up in that top spot, but. 
If I was a betting man, I would say it's a pitcher of some kind, but that's probably cheating a little bit, knowing just who runs the Braves and who's in their scouting department right now. Yeah, I mean, it's important to note, too, that you know the Braves sort of game a system last year with the way they attacked the draft, and it'd be harder to do that this year. They have a more normal draft path. They don't have um, any of these competitive balance picks or comp picks, or it's sort of a, a pretty normal setup for Atlanta. So they'll probably just be taking, as you said, the best pitcher available or something like that. For me, it's just take the best guy. I mean, if you can sign him, uh, that first-round pick value is about $5.7 million, uh, just, just so people know. And uh, I am not the biggest expert in the world, I'll tell you. I, I, don't, I know next to nothing about these guys, at least for right now but um, it's also too early in the baseball draft to be you know I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter about you know the Braves need this in the draft it's time to take a catcher or something like this like no that's not how the baseball draft works you just take the best guy available and um, you know people will groan if the, if the Braves take a pitcher it's going to happen uh, it happened last year as the Braves went pitching heavy and people, nobody could believe that they did it again you know it won't surprise me if they do it again I'll say that they, they want they want as many arms as humanly possible um, they seem to be using the draft to get them and uh, that seems to be pretty I, I won't say necessarily likely but uh, you know more than 50-50 I'd imagine that it's probably a pitcher, and uh, I'll be okay with it because that's just kind of their philosophy. And just take the best guy. I don't really, I don't really care, honestly. Just give me the the best prospect available that you can sign for the number that you need to sign him for. You know, on the on the point of of people are going to groan when they take pitching. I was talking to a couple of folks about this during the week, and you look at the Mets two years ago. They made the World Series. They had an all world rotation with Syndergaard, uh, Harvey, Mats. Uh, DeGrom. I mean, it looked like they were going to be dominant forces for the next decade with that kind of pitching. And then you see where they're at now. Uh, DeGrom has had issues. Syndergaard is probably going to the DL, you know, who's arguably been the second best pitcher in baseball over the last couple of years uh, behind Kershaw. He's likely going to the DL. Steven Matz is on the DL. Matt Harvey is a shell of what he was a couple of years ago. I mean, Whenever you feel like you have enough young pitching that summer, you should probably go and draft three or four pitchers with your top picks because you can never have enough young pitching. It doesn't matter how promising they look. Something's going to happen. And and the odds of you getting five really good years out of your top pitching prospects is like a best case scenario, honestly. Um, the odds of, of finding a true ace to count on for the next decade are, are just it's, – it's minimal. Uh, so again, I know people want to see hitters get taken, but the pitching is such a, a fragile beast that the Braves would be silly not to focus on pitching again. And I think you're going to be set for disappointment if, if you expect them to just take a bunch of bats this summer. Yeah, especially specialized bats. It's like I, people yeah. just forget this is baseball, and guys are going to be far. Even college guys are are still far away. Like you can't. You, you can tell me that you have you have an all world college catcher, for instance. That's a spot the Braves need, of course, long term or third baseman. Um, very, very few guys are going to be ready within even in two years, um, even yeah. if they're, even if they're college guys. So it's one of those things where you can't just you can't just pick a guy and think he's going to be playing for you in 2019. It's just not going to be that way most of the time. So we'll keep an eye on that. But uh, six weeks to go. I kind of jumped up, jumped up on me as well. We have, we definitely have stuff coming at talkingchop.com. There's already stuff there from our minor league guys, especially who are going to be covering the draft extensively for us in the next uh, you know six weeks or so. But check in with us. They're going to be doing stuff uh, far far above my head. We'll have Eric and the crew on the podcast between now and then as well to get a, a more uh, detailed primer of the draft because that's not going to be my area of expertise. I'll be uh, I'll be dialed in to help out on that night, but uh, before that, 
not my area, but hey, I'm, I'm always here to talk about stuff and uh, we'll have fun with the draft. It, it might not be quite as entertaining as last year's draft because, uh, as we mentioned, the Braves don't just have that war chest assembled to go out and just spend all this kind of crazy money like they did last year in the draft yeah. and get a bunch of, you know, equivalently three first round picks last year, which is what they did. But, uh, you know, it's going to be fun still. I still have a high draft pick for the first time. I mean, for the last time, hopefully in a while, hopefully the Braves are not picking so high moving forward. Yeah, we'll see how let's that hope. Happens. Like see the Sacramento, Sacramento Kings, like every year they have a top five pick or the, uh, like the Jacksonville Jaguars have a top five pick every single year. We don't want the Braves to be in that situation. No, it's it's fun when the draft comes, but aside from that, you don't want to be picking high. That's that's yeah. sort of the death sentence. So, uh, you know, accumulate guys when you can, and then hopefully the Braves are picking somewhere in the 15-ish range uh, next year and then uh, up into the 20s after that. So let's, let's get greedy uh, here, Scott. On the topic of uh, minor league pitching, Zach Dillard, friend of the program, uh, just tweeted out, in April, uh, the Braves' minor league starters combined over 460 innings, a 3.14 ERA, uh, just under a strikeout per inning, and just over about three walks per nine innings. Uh, very, very good. Very encouraging. Again, a th- that's basically a three ERA over 460 innings. Um, and, and I know a scout mentioned the other day that uh, for the first time ever, he put a major league grade on all five of the Mississippi Braves yeah, pitchers. Yeah, I saw that. That's crazy. Um, that, that's unreal. I mean, even if I mean, there's Allard and Soroka and Freed and is it Weagle who's there and yeah. Withrow, I think. I mean, that that's absurd. Some teams might have five major league grades on their pitching, their starting pitchers, like all together, like at all levels in their minor leagues. Um, so again, exciting times. Um, just the sheer bulk and quantity of, of young pitchers that the Braves have is really pretty fascinating to see. I, I can't recall any other team in baseball recently having this abundance of young, talented arms. Yeah, it's pretty wild, man. And we can uh, I'm, I'm sort of envious of the minor league guys sometimes because they get to have all the fun and cover yeah. these guys on a daily basis. But uh, it's also hard work, so shout out to those guys as always. Uh, good note, though, from Zach Dillard, even though, I, even though I hate Zach's guts, and you should tell him that. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I like Zach. Zach's a good guy. Uh, anyway, Scott, anything you, anything you got coming that you want to plug and get out there? I'm, I know this is uh, probably an open-ended question that uh, none of us always know what's happening uh, in the future, but I wanted to see if you had anything that you know is coming. Nothing that I know of at the moment. Um, of course, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the cast, excited to get back to SunTrust. I think uh, as we get more and more experience inside the park, we'll get to see how it's truly going to play out. I know the first week it really seemed like a hitter's park, and, and we'll get to see if that's the case moving forward. Um, hopefully, you know, four against the Mets, who are kind of a walking mash unit right now. Uh, they'll miss Syndergaard, as I mentioned, so they should be able to at least have a chance to win a couple games. And then the Cardinals this season are not what they've been in past years. So hopefully get a couple wins. Um, I just looked, and uh, the Braves' run differential right now is 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 minus three, which is encouraging. Uh, you always want that number to be in the green instead of red. And with a couple wins this week, they should be able to get uh, a positive run differential, which is which is kind of a step towards you know competitiveness and respectability. So um, again, if if they're able to uh, take advantage of a couple of struggling clubs this week, hopefully they're able to get back to the 500 mark. Uh, you know, as we get towards the uh, middle of May. Yep, uh, seven straight here at SunTrust, so uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, get, get in the building if you haven't been there already. I would encourage it if you live in Atlanta or near Atlanta, get down there. It's fun. It's a nice park. I know there's all the politics stuff behind it, but uh, I enjoyed my trip, so I would encourage it. And Scott will visit at some point in the uh, very distant future. I'm 20, sure. 2018 is what we're looking <laughs> at. Yeah, just vacations. And for people who don't know, I'm out here in Arizona, so it's not a quick drive up the highway. Um, but I think 2018, uh, just the way work and vacations and life is going to shake out, 
uh, hopefully going to be able to get there for a, a real long weekend and catch, you know, four or five games. And we'll, and we'll do some sort of talking shop meetup because that's just, you have to. It's, if Scott's in town, that, you know, that's a big deal. So. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Well, thank you for joining me as always. I appreciate it, sir. Um, and we'll do it again very soon, I'm sure. All righty. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it as always. As for everybody else, so stay tuned. We'll be back next week. And uh, until then, go Braves, all that fun stuff. Please subscribe to the podcast, do all those things, and stay tuned.